You're listening to the Adult Explore the Bible Weekly Leader Training Podcast. This podcast is designed to help teachers prepare to lead a Bible study group using LifeWay's Explore the Bible adult resources. Each week, we review the Bible passage for that week's study, examine some questions teachers may face, and give some teaching tips along the way. I'm Dwayne McCurry, your host, and today I'm being joined by Bill Craig. Bill Craig is Vice President of Publication, of Publishing, excuse me, here at LifeWay. So, Bill, thank you for being with us today. Thanks for letting me be here. We're going to be looking at session two. Uh, we're looking at 1 Kings 8, 46 through 60. Uh, last week in the first session, we looked at chapter three. And since then till now, there's some things that have happened. In chapter three, Solomon had asked for uh, discernment and wisdom in leading God's people. And now he's had the opportunity to apply that by building the temple. He's had some craftsmen, some artisans, all kinds of people involved in this. Many of the things that he used have been gathered during the, the, the reign of King David. And so now it's finally being built under his supervision. And the temple's been finished. And now it's the day of the dedication for the temple. And what we're going to be looking at during this session is the prayer that Solomon offered, or at least part of the prayer. We'll be looking at the prayer and then the blessing that he offers to the people. Uh, and so we'll be looking at the end of that prayer. After the blessing, we don't cover this in the lesson, but after the blessing, there's 14 days of celebration that take place uh, to commemorate the opening of the temple. But in verses 46 through 60, once again, the prayer and the blessing, we've, we've outlined it in these points. In exile, God hears and blessing offered. First of all, in exile, which is verses 46 through 48, in these verses, while, while Solomon is dedicating the temple, he's presenting seven situations in which the people would find themselves in need and they would turn to God, including when in exile for their disobedience to God. This seventh situation characterized the people as being led away as captives who eventually turned to God in repentance praying in the direction of the Jerusalem temple. The main point that we'll walk away with is that God's discipline should lead us to repentance. The second point, God hears, looks at verses 49 through 53. In these verses, Solomon asked God to hear the prayers of his people when they called out to him. Solomon emphasized that these people were rescued from Egypt and set apart to be God's inheritance. The point for us is that believers can count on God hearing their prayers of repentance. The last section, verses 54 through 60 of chapter 8, we've entitled Blessing Offered. And in these verses, this is the conclusion of the temple dedication. Solomon offered a blessing to the people. He thanked God for providing rest for the people and for being true to his promises. He asked God to always be present which would move the people to remain faithful to him. He further prayed that the peoples of the earth would know that the Lord alone is God. The main point that we want to make in that last section is that God's presence enables believers to honor him through their faithfulness. The first thing I want to point out is that this prayer begins when you, when you sin. It's almost as if Solomon expected the people to fail here. Well, I think, I don't know if it's as much an expectation to that the people will sin, but I would say he has a really clear understanding of the sin nature of people. 
know, he says there in verse uh, 46, for there is no one who does not sin. He was a wise man. The Bible talks about his wisdom, but even in his own wisdom, he sinned and he recognized everybody sins. And so he's just saying to the Lord the truth, you know, sooner or later, the people are going to sin. And when we sin, uh, Lord, don't forget that we're here and we're turning to you. He brings up repentance in this passage as well. Uh, he talks about discipline and then uh, the leader guide. We're encouraged to look at verses 47 and 48 to, to kind of focus on those in the group plans and to, to look at the pattern that's here, to notice the steps. And we don't necessarily talk about the steps, but the steps that would be obvious here would be sin, discipline, and then repentance. There's that progression there. How does God use discipline to bring us or to push us towards repentance? What are the dynamics at play there, Bill? You know, discipline's an interesting word. The Bible teaches really clearly that God disciplines those he loves. The whole point of God's discipline is out of his heart of love to bring people back into a right relationship with him. And so he disciplines people. Sometimes he disciplines people uh, to bring them to maturity. At other times, he disciplines people to get them back on the right path, to, to bring them back to acting right. He disciplines people uh, by allowing them to experience the consequences of sin. It might be their own sin, or sometimes people you know, experience the consequences of other people's sin. But it's in those moments of experiencing the consequences of sin that people get to the point eventually where God hopes that they'll turn their hearts toward him and reach out and say, Lord, I, I repent. I want to go a different direction. I want to turn away from my sin and walk back towards you. They reach a point where the only solution is to seek God. We, you know, we live in a world that's broken by sin. Uh, our sin, other people's sin, and God has already judged that sin. We talked about that in my group this past week about how God judges us in sin. Well, he judges, he's already judged our sin, and we're guilty in that sin. And so we live in the consequences of sin. It's only when we turn in repentance to the Lord that he's able to bring us back into a relationship with himself. Request here by Solomon is that when they do repent, that God would hear their prayers. Uh, we do know that there are times that God does not listen. We saw that when we were studying Ezekiel uh, 20. Is this a contradiction here? Can we trust God to hear us? So that's a really interesting passage to look back to. Uh, Ezekiel 20 happens at a time uh, when Ezekiel has a vision of the exact opposite of what's happening here in 1 Kings. So in Ezekiel chapter 13, I think, 11, Ezekiel chapter 11, Ezekiel has a vision where he actually sees the presence of the Lord lift out of the temple and then leave Jerusalem altogether because the people have been so sinful. And in Ezekiel 20, this group of leaders come 
in exile to sit down with Ezekiel and say, we want to hear a word from the Lord. We want the Lord to hear our cry. And Ezekiel says, the word of the Lord came to me. And God, in effect, is saying, you, you want to talk to me now? Your heart hasn't even turned around to me yet. You're still in sin. You're still pursuing those other gods and those idols. Your heart's not really chasing after me. And so it's not really a contradiction. I believe if those people had come to Ezekiel with a true heart, an open heart to hear what God had to say, he would hear them. We can trust God to hear us. Eventually, when the nation does finally turn to God in their sin, he hears them and he restores the nation of Israel and the temple. But it's not at that point in Ezekiel 20. God makes the point, no, I'm not listening to you until you're ready to come back to me with your right heart. Well, that makes sense too. You know, repentance would be a part of it. It's not just God didn't listen. It's they, they placed a roadblock between them and God. That's right. And that's part of the, the, the this question moves us to the uh, second set of questions underneath the apply the text uh, section in our personal study guide and David discipleship guide, which ask us to identify the roadblocks uh, in our lives and to look at ways we can minimize, remove those roadblocks. So the question we just talked about in this, this section, God hears, is directly tied to that second set of application questions underneath apply the text. Yeah, those are good questions yeah. to uh, explore. Verse 57 uh, this is the blessing part now. Solomon says, do not abandon us. How does God's presence move us to remain faithful to him? Well, I think we can all experience, we can think of times when we've experienced God's presence in our life and times when we've been sinful and we felt God far away from us. And so it's not hard for us to imagine needing God, because when God, uh, God's presence is with us, we feel that comfort that we uh, get from him, the, the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives, providing us comfort and wisdom and direction and peace. And when we find ourselves in those moments of sin, when we've denied the Lord's direction in our life, and we're chasing after something other than him, we come to our senses and we think, Lord, I'm so far away. We, we feel what it's like to be so far away from the Lord, not because he's moved, but because we have moved away from him. And so God's presence, as it moves us back towards him, gives us that comfort, that wisdom, the sense of peace that passes understanding. And we know it. If we're honest with ourselves, we know it when we're not sensing that presence, when we're, when we're not in close relationship with the Lord. Yeah, you th I, think, I was thinking about this in preparation for this podcast recording today, how we saw this in Daniel as well with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were in the furnace, but it was God's presence that sustained them while in the furnace. So sometimes we think, well, if God, God may not be with us because we're going through difficult times. That would not be true for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Being in the middle of a furnace is not my idea of a good day. And so God's presence was still with them in the middle of that, that time. And for the people here that would be in exile that he's talking about here, 
that Solomon's noting, God's presence would be still with them, even while in exile, facing their, the discipline for their sin. It's, it is interesting, uh, back there in Ezekiel, as the Lord talks about them being in exile, about being uh, away from the nation of Israel, he promises to be their presence, even when they're scattered. And so it's that promise of the Lord's presence that's realized in our lives as believers through the work of the Holy Spirit in us uh, that brings us back into that presence of God when we're pursuing him and when we're, uh, you know, we're, we're with him in, in repentance and reverence and uh, all of that. Yeah, my, the best way I know to compare this is how, like after someone passes away, we would love to be with them just for a moment, just to say something else to them, to be in their presence. And I, that same kind of longing is what I see here. I, you know, if we have a, a loved one who's passed away, a father, mother, uh, you think about the days go by where you think, man, I just wish I could be with them just for this time. Uh, I, I see, I feel that same sense that this is what he's talking about here is that have that longing just to be with them one more time. Uh, right. and, and we don't always think about that as being what God offers us through salvation. We think about, I, I, I'm forgiven of sin. I don't have to worry about guilt, but we forget that those things are really the roadblocks that keep us from having the presence part, which is really the main goal, which is us being in his presence and knowing he's with us everywhere we go. Right. Verse 60, Solomon makes the request that the whole earth would know the Lord is God. Uh, what was he hoping to have happen by that request? Well, he actually starts this uh, even earlier in the prayer in verses 41 through 43. You can go back and look at that. Uh, Solomon is recalling the real heart of God, which is to work through his people to bless all nations. God said that when he first established his covenant with Abraham, all the way back in uh, Genesis 12, he says, I'm going to uh, bless all nations through you. And when he establishes the temple, it's to be a house of prayer for all uh, nations. And then we think of all the people outside of the nation of Israel over the years who came to know the Lord. There was Ruth and the Queen of Sheba, the widow of Zarephath, Naaman, all of these people who weren't Israelites, who through the ministry of the people of God get to have this blessing from the Lord in their life. That continues in the New Testament as the gospel bursts into the Gentile world. So we see uh, first Philip uh, sharing with the Ethiopian uh, on the road, and the Ethiopian says, what, what keeps me from being baptized? And he immediately goes and is baptized. And then Peter has visions of what it's like to, to share the gospel with Gentiles and to see them saved. And the heart of God is that the gospel is for all the nations. He's going to bless all the nations through the people of Israel. And it's, it's in this prayer that Solomon recollects that promise that he made to Abraham years before that God was going to bless the nations 
through his offspring. It is helpful, I think, for us to keep in mind that this is a part of a bigger narrative. You and I talked about this before we got online for this conversation, how some of the same themes we see here are themes we see throughout the Bible. The need for repentance, the, the, the idea that all of us have sinned, the, uh, the, the, that God's presence, uh, he always hears the repentant heart of his people, those who turn to him. One of the things that stood out to me, uh, and I'm thinking about uh, the importance of this in, with the group I lead, is in the options in the leader guide, uh, there's a discussion option, and it, it focuses on verses 49 through 53. And what it calls for us to do is to look at 1 John 1, 9 and James 4, 8, both of which deal with repentance, and ask this question, how does Solomon's prayer in verses 49 through 53 reflect the promises we find in these two New Testament verses, which that's 1 John 1, 9 and James 4, 8. And then from there, we point to the key doctrine, and the key doctrine for this particular session is entitled God's Purpose of Grace, and here's the statement. Believers may fall into sin through neglect and temptation, whereby they grieve the spirit, impair their graces and comforts, and bring reproach on the cause of Christ and temporal judgments on themselves. Yet they shall be kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. And there's two passages that are noted here as well, Hebrews 12, 6 and 1 Peter 2, 1 through 5. We may want to look at those passages as well in this, in this process, but for us to think through now, these things we see here in the prayer at the dedication, we continue to see throughout Scripture, and they remind us that of God's forgiveness and His grace and how that should encourage us in our daily living. So there's a lot of places where we can apply this text uh, to today's world. Uh, Bill, are there any key thoughts, other key thoughts, ideas that you would share with our listeners today? The idea of a leader praying through this momentous time in his nation for the nation in the future gives people who are in leadership roles a great, a great model to follow, to think about what it's like or what it's going to be like in the future for the people he's leading today. It's not all about just this moment, but it's also about the way the Lord will work in their lives in the days ahead because of this moment. And I think that's a key idea for uh, leaders to grasp as they lead people through uh, celebration times like this one. Yeah, he's thinking about stuff well beyond his lifetime. He is. Bill, thank you for being with us today. Before we go, let me remind our listeners out there about Extra. We identify a current news event and describe a way of using that news story to introduce and conclude the group time. The file is free, and you can find these ideas on the Explore the Bible website by typing the following in your web browser. Go explorethebible.com forward slash leader extras. That's go explorethebible.com forward slash leader extras. Thank you for listening to us today. We hope you encourage other teachers to tune in next week. Next week, I'll be joined by Mike Livingston. We'll be looking at session three, which is 1 Kings 11, 1 through 13. And the main point of that lesson is that ungodly partnerships lead to spiritual compromise.